Thursday seems so far away. I can't wait till Thursday come, and then I can't wait till Saturday come, and I can't wait till Sunday come. I don't know. I just like to try to be around the people of God and be where God expects me to be so God can do what he wants to do. Amen. We're going to pick up in lesson, what is this, 1.3 tonight, I believe, and we're talking about uh, the imitation of Christ the imitation of Christ, and so we're on lesson 1.3. We have a few scriptures that we're going to read tonight. You want to follow right along. If you have questions as we go along, feel free to ask. I like questions, uh, and when you ask questions, it tells me you're, you're learning, you're paying attention, and so I don't mind at all. This is the kind of setting where you can just raise your hand and ask me a question, and I have no problems just taking a moment to Answer your question. So we're going to talk about the imitation of Christ. Jesus is our example and he has given us the power to live like him. And so tonight specifically what we're going to talk about is his authority, our authority, his authority, our authority. The his we're talking about is Jesus Christ. So Jesus is authority, our authority. Mm. We're going to look at a few scripture here tonight. I want you to follow along with me. If you have something where you can pull up the scriptures tonight or turn to it, turn with me to Luke chapter 4, verse 31. We're going to read from 31 through 37. Luke chapter 4, verse 31, and we'll read 31 through 37. The scripture says in 31, and it came and 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 came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath day. Somebody said the Sabbath day. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. Somebody say power. power. And in the synagogue there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil and cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee, who thou art, the Holy One of God. So the demons, the demons, the evil spirit, Jesus didn't say one word to them, but as soon as he showed up, they start saying stuff to him. I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. Mm, pay attention to that. Verse 35. And Jesus rebuked him saying, hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him and hurt him not. And they were all amazed and spake among themselves saying, what a word is this? For with authority and power, he commanded the unclean spirits, and they came out. And the fame of him went out in every place of the country round about. While I was reading that, something just popped in my mind. The scripture says the man was possessed with demons, but only one demon spoke. He was possessed with demons. And when they were, it said they were cast out. So it was many demons cast out. He was possessed with many demons. But when it was time, it was only one demon that said, Jesus, we know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. And so it's, it's, it's important that we understand. We've always heard this, that even the demons are organized. And if demons are organized and we are the children of God, what should we be? Mm-hmm. 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 So it's important for us to understand that. Uh, organizations sometimes get mistaken for different things, but we want to make sure we understand if we're going to make a difference in anything that we do for God, it, it's going to have to be organized. By the way, where do you think the demons learn to be organized? Just thought I'd throw that out. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's look at another scripture. Luke chapter 10, verse 
19. Well, all right, let's do that. Luke chapter 10. Uh, let me see something here. Mm. All right, Luke. That's not what I want. If someone have... Okay, here it is. Luke chapter 10 verse 19 says, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Let's also go to another portion of scripture. Luke chapter 4. We'll read verse 1 through 13. I'm giving you a lot of scripture here tonight. So you can't say you didn't learn anything tonight because there's a lot of scripture. Luke chapter 4 verse 1. This is the text. We have this written in Matthew as well. This is the text where Jesus was tempted. Luke chapter 4 verse 1 says, or should I say where the devil tried to tempt Jesus. Luke chapter 4 verse 1 says, And Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And being 40 days tempted of the devil, and in those days he did eat nothing, and when they were ended, he afterwards hungered. So after 40 days, he was hungry. Anybody will be hungry after 40 days. You can't fast any longer than 40 days. That's the maximum days humans can go without food. 40 days, that's it. You try to go over that, you're going to die. And the devil said unto him, if thou be the son of God... Command these, or command this stone that it be made bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. I take a pause to mention this. Jesus said, Man shall not live by just food, but by every word of God. So, the criteria for living and 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 successfully living or su- successful living whichever way you want to look at it is to eat food and to eat the word of god and while we know that it's still significant that we keep telling ourselves that because we're trying to live by just eating natural food and nibbling at the word of god And if we want to worry about why we're struggling in trying to live in this world, that's the answer right there. We're eating the natural bread food that we need for nourishment of our bodies, but we're only nibbling at the word of God. When Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Verse 5, and the devil taking him up into a high mountain showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, all this power will I give unto thee and the glory of them. For that is delivered unto me and to whomsoever I will give it. Some good stuff here. If thou therefore will worship me, all shall be thine. So the devil said he had power too. And he says, I'll give you some power if you will do certain things and certain things. Verse 8, and Jesus answered and said unto him, get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shall thy serve. Who are you serving? The word of God says we should only serve God. 
So we shouldn't have an issue coming to church and says, Pastor, I need to serve God. Tell me what I need to do. This is what the word man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. One of the words that proceeded out of the mouth of God, Jesus said this. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shall thou serve. Who are we serving? Is it a, is, should we get all worked up because we come to church and the pastor says we need servants in the kingdom of God? We need servants in the church. Should we get all worked up? All you got to make sure is whatever you're doing, it's serving God. That's all. Now, if I ask you to do something that's not serving God, you need to tell me, Pastor, that's not serving God. I can't do that. But I'm here to serve God because his words say I need to serve him. Oh, oh. And he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from hence, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus answering said unto him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. Yes, ma'am, go ahead. Yes. Because when we sinned in the garden, we lost our authority. When God created man and woman, he gave them authority of everything in the world. He says, Subdue, have dominion, it belongs to you. Everything in this world belonged to us. But when the devil showed up on the scene and tempted Eve and Adam and they gave into his temptation, he stole their authority. So we have authority to do that. So yes, he, he has control over these things. So if he has control over it, he certainly can give it to you or not give it to you. Still today, the only way he he doesn't have control over things is if we become children of God. But for everybody that's not a child of God through salvation, the devil has authority over them. But if you're a child of God, he has no authority over you. So, yes, he had the authority to say that. He had the right to say that. Before the beginning of his earthly ministry of miracles and messages, Jesus faced oppositions. Can you say oppositions? If Jesus faced oppositions, you will face oppositions. <laughs> the devil wanted to stop the promise of what was to come before it ever began. This is why, Ivan, I'll say this to you, if you keep Walking and seeking after God, you're going to have some troubles, opposition. Everybody, when you decide to get serious about God, you're going to have opposition. Why? Because the devil knows your potential. You are the one underestimating your potential. But the devil has never underestimated your potential. He knows if you come to know who you really are and you operate under the authority of God, he knows you are a threat to him and he's trying to stop you before you become a threat to him. So he knew that he needed to stop Jesus. But, of course, that was impossible. From being the leader of worship and deception in the Garden of Eden and into the dry, sand-swept wilderness, the devil repeatedly tried to usurp authority of God. From the very beginning, the devil's M.O. was always to usurp God's authority and he wanted Everybody to worship him. He wanted to be in the spotlight. He wanted to say, I'm the one. I'm the man. 
This is why it's very important for us to understand you don't want to make yourself the man because you can easily find yourself operating like the devil is operating. Pride. Authority. Here, here's who I am. Letting everybody know I'm the one that's in charge. We're talking tonight about God's authority, our authority. Two things I want to point out tonight about authority or power, whichever way you want to look at it. There are two meaning for authority. One of the meaning is, well, they're both, they both can be represented as power. But one of the meaning of power is dudamus. When you hear the Bible referred to, which you would have to go in and look in the Greek to find out. When you read in the scripture and it says power, you have to go and trace that very text to see in the Greek what that power meant. If it meant dudamus or how you say ex Exortia, exortia, E-X-O-U-S-I-A. So it's either Deuteronomy's power or exortia power, right? And so when you see power in the Bible, it's referring to one of these particular words. When it's referring to power and it's Deuteronomy's power, it means force. It means miraculous power. It means ability and strength. When it's referring to exhortia power, it's referring to authority, control, delegated influence. So when you hear the word power, it can either be referencing your authority or the, the force that you have. Hold on to that. That's important to know. When you read and it says authority, it can either be referring to the control that you have, that you possess the authority, or the force to destroy things. Jesus was drawn to his encounter, not by accident, but by divine appointment. So a lot of times, when life get a little challenging for us, and we encounter some bad things, the first thing we say is what? Oh, the devil, he is just busy. That's what we like. The devil is so busy. When God gives you the, the divine appointments with some challenges. I always tell you, God will not raise up wimpy kids. And we are his children, but he's not going to have us being wimpy and not be able to defend ourselves. And so he's going to allow us to have divine appointments with challenges in our life. So we can exercise that either Deuteronomy's power or that exorgia power, which is authority or force. He's going to give us that opportunity to exercise authority or force. So he was led in the wilderness because he was getting ready to exercise his authority and his force. He was led in the wilderness by the Spirit of God. He was weak in body as he ended a 40-day fast. However, through his flesh, uh, though his flesh may have been weak, his spirit was rising in power and authority. Listen, I need you to join me next week in fasting. I want you to learn something through fasting. If you can, I would like for you to join with me. If we can fast next week, um, Thursday, no food until after church. I'm going to try to fast. Not try to fast. I am going to fast next Wednesday and Thursday. I'm asking you to fast next Thursday. Water only if you can from the time you wake up till after service. Would like for you to do that. I want you to experience what happens when your flesh is not in control. Listen to me. We, we wrestle against not people, 
But our challenges in life that will cause us to disappoint God or to disobey God will be our fleshly desires. The devil very seldom comes into play. We think the devil comes into play a lot. He doesn't. It's our desires that are wrong that gets the best of us. Those are the things that we have to watch out for. When you fast, what you're doing is you're weakening your flesh. And the desires that your flesh has or have has, the, the desire that your flesh has become less and less because when you are hungry, when you're weary, all you want is food and nothing else. You don't want to watch TV. You don't want to be amorous with someone. All you want is some food and some sugar and something to drink. Because your flesh is saying, leave me alone. But when your flesh is dying, you become more aware of the Spirit of God operating. That's what fasting does. And so when you're fasting, you can be directed by God's Spirit a lot easier than if you were not fasting. And so if we can fast next week, what we're going to fast about is that we will become more aware of God's direction in our life and in our church. And that God will help us to do what he wants us to do. That's what we're fasting about. So we want to become more aware of God's direction in our life personally and God's direction in our church. And then we want to be able to, 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 to do what he wants us to do. That's what we're fasting and praying about next Thursday. After service, hopefully you can pay attention. I, I will let Bible study be short because what happens a lot of time when you're fasting doing church, you can barely listen to me because your flesh is just so, you're just like, hurry up so I can get out of here and get something to eat. And don't do like Barry do. Don't leave here and try to go get three-course meal. Three meal and steak and stuff like that. You will, you will hurt yourself. Break it in. Get a little soup or some crackers, really soft crackers or some fruits. Or, you know, but don't go crazy. Don't go crazy. And in order to make your, your fast successful, start cutting back on your eating as you get close to Thursday. So Monday, after you have your nice big Sunday dinner, you know, Monday, you know, you slow down. Eat salad during that, you know, day and fruit and, you know, soft food. And by the time you get to Thursday and you decide to cut off from the body food, then your body will be able to. Because, like Tom will tell you, once you start eating less of what you was eating and you stop eating the the heavy stuff, your body starts um, rely on itself to, 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 to feed itself because it's saying I'm not getting the same thing I've been getting that I'm used to. So as we know, our bodies store um, food. And, and so when it realizes it's not getting what it used to, it starts, you know, existing off what's already in the body. So, so if you will start cutting down by the time Thursday come, you won't be in a state of shock because what happens is if you, if you don't do that, when you wake up Thursday, all right, body, nothing. The body's like losing its mind and you're like headaches and every, everything is going on in you because you're, you know, you're shocking the body. But if you will begin to program the body, say, I'm getting ready to put you on a little bit of punishment here. So start, you know, getting used to it. You'll be able to make it through Thursday without losing your mind. If you're on med, I'm glad to have nurses around it. If you're on medication, this first thing, let me always say this. If you are taking medication, please don't fast. Until you check with your doctor. So go and check with your doctor before you fast. Call him up and say, Doc, or call her up, Doc, I want to not eat for 12 hours. Can I do that? And if Doc say no, then you listen to Doc. All right? Now, if Doc say you just have to eat one meal, then just eat one meal. Till after church. Sacrifice. Is what it's all about. And so if you just abstain from what you normally do, you're sacrificing unto God. We good? All right. So fast was ended. 
devil trying to get the best of the Lord because he knew he was hungry. And so he tried to tempt him. Jesus' response to temptation reveal an important truth for every believer today. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. All right. So we got to realize that it's the word of God that we have to make sure is a part of our life. Got to make sure of that. Satan then left the natural temptation and entered the spiritual realm of temptation. This was a big mistake. The devil, uncontrolled pride, longed for him to be worshipped like God. He offered Jesus a chance to shortcut God's ultimate plan if he would only worship him. You understand that? When the devil says that if you will worship me, I will give you all these things, he was trying to get God to abandon plan. Here's what I mean by this. God's got a plan that he's following systematically. And the devil was trying to get him to abandon that plan. Just like the devil know God has a plan for your life. Again, we allow the devil to know more than we know. And God, not his daddy. God is our daddy. And so God has a plan for your life. And the devil will constantly try to get you to abandon the plan of God for your life by trying to get you to respond emotionally. By trying to get you to respond sinfully. By trying to get you to read into something spiritually that's not even really what it is. And so that's what the devil tried to do to interrupt the plan of God for our life. And so he was offering Jesus something that Jesus was getting ready to take back. See, Pascal, the only way we could ever get back the authority that we lost in the garden was for a man to take it back. Man was the one that sinned against God. The devil deceived man or the devil tricked man and man sinned against God. And that's how man lost his authority. So one of the reasons why God had to become man was that. One of the many reasons was that. Because only another man couldn't be God. (laughs) It couldn't be God because it would be unfair. Because God is God. He would be unfair if he, if he just was just operating as God from heaven and taking back the authority. Because guess what? He can take it back all he want, but who would have it? God. And God's intent all along was for mankind to have authority in this earth. He created this earth and say, man, have the authority. Rule over it. Take charge of it. And so God became a man. He became a man. And his name is Jesus the Christ. Jesus is God in the flesh. But as he walked this earth, he functioned as God and as man at the same time. And he didn't cheat. Now, you can believe that all you want, not believe that. That's up to you. But he functioned, Jesus functioned as God and man while he walked the earth. He prayed as a man, he hurt as a man, but he answered prayer as God. Well, preacher, how is that possible? You ask him when you get to heaven. And like I keep saying, if we understood everything about God, then he wouldn't be God. He says his ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts. He does things that we don't have all the answers to, and some of the things that we're going to get the answers to will not be till we get to heaven. That's when we'll see him like he is, and that's when we'll know everything. But as right now, we know in part because we have corrupted ourselves, and we're not perfect like Adam was in the garden. Adam was perfect. We we messed up when we sinned against God. And so God had a plan that was going to be fulfilled. When he died on the cross, when he gave his life, what he did also was he turned back over the authority to us. So God came into this world as a man and took back the authority that the devil stole from us and handed it back to us. That's really exchange. 
So when he trained those 12 disciples, and when it was time for him to ascend back to heaven, he left the authority with man. When he created man in the garden, he gave man the authority. You got this. And man allowed the devil to take it. Jesus said, all right, then I have to become man to take back the authority and give it back to man. So it was only going to be able. So man lost it. Man had to take it back. Man have it still today. Make sense? That's what transpired. So that's why the devil at that point was able to offer Jesus Christ all of the kingdoms. Because at that time, he was the one in charge of it. Because we messed up. We gave it up way back in the day. And so we was living under his authority. And if you are not a child of God, you are living under Satan's authority. You're not living under God's authority. This is why Satan can do whatever he wants with anybody. And he couldn't do what he wanted with Job. Because Job was a child of God under God's authority. And so the devil had to ask permission whether he could mess with Job or not. Because Job was under God's authority. If you're not under God's authority, the devil don't have to ask no permission. Your fear, your fair gain to the devil if you're not under God's authority. So he offered Jesus all the kingdoms of the world and Jesus just had to straighten them out. Word of Jesus spread rapidly through the region. The elite religious leaders began to feel insecure, fearing Jesus would undermine their authority and power. So the reason why our world have a problem with Jesus way back then and still today is we're afraid of him making us uncomfortable. We're afraid of knowing and understanding that whatever we've got going, he now is the one that's the all-powerful. He is now the authority of everything. And so just like the religious leaders back then, we may not be religious leaders, but one of the reasons why we won't let Jesus in our life and let him have sole authority is because we like our authority. Mm-hmm. So that's what's wrong with us. So we're wondering why and we're asking questions. What about, you know, you know, why is it so hard for us to come to church and really, really just say, teach me. And whatever that word of God says, that's what I'm going to do. Because if you do that, you are no longer under your authority. You're no longer under the devil's authority. You are now under God's authority if you start obeying the teachings of God. So that's why we're challenged in so many ways of do we... Totally surrender to God. Because we we don't want to give up our authority. We don't want to change our life. We don't want to interrupt the flow of how we do things. And that's why we won't surrender to God. That's it in a nutshell. That's it in a nutshell. All of our life, everything that we're struggling with, why we can't be the greatest Christian person in the world is because we don't want to give up our life that we like to let God have control of it now. I know that's not how you have it in your mind, but I'm telling you that's what it is. You may not have had it in your mind that way that, that, well, no, I want God to have control, but I'm telling you the only thing that's stopping you from being powerful, the only thing that's stopping you from accomplishing your purpose in life, the only thing that's stopping you from living that successful Christian life is because you're holding back. You like your authority. You like the way your life is. You are comfortable the way things are and you don't want God to mess with that. This is troubling me. And I'm going to say this in the nicest way I can. Because just so you know where this church stands, I am so irritated in that people are struggling with their appearance. God asked us to look a certain way and we're struggling to look like that. I have no I have no understanding of that. I am so totally lost that God is saying I need my people to be holy and I need them to look like this and we're struggling. Like 
What is there to struggle with God asks us to do? If I want to have power, I have to do what he tells me to do. If I want to go to heaven, I have to do what he tells me to do. And so because I don't like something, I'm going to have to negotiate my mind saying, well, the scripture is not talking about that. When are we going to just err on the side of caution? Okay, so we get to a scripture and we're not sure if it means this or this. What's the smartest thing to do if I'm not sure? I go with the one that says I can't lose. But somehow, we go with the one that makes us feel good. And I'm watching it and I'm just like, God. What is, what is it? What am I missing? Why is it so hard to just drop everything and say, God, I'm gonna look like you want me to look. I'm gonna be holy like you. Why, what's the struggle? I don't know. But I tell you this. You won't have no authority. I don't know if you heard me said the other day, an unholy church is a powerless church. Don't forget that. So we can look the way we want, act the way we want, and still come to church. We will be powerless. We will just be showing up and getting some good head knowledge. I don't want good head knowledge. I want to be a child of God with authority. I want to be able to rebuke Satan from touching my children, my family. I want to be able to come at him when he come at us. But if I'm not holy, I'm powerless. And when he starts to wreak havoc in our life, I will have no ch- There's nothing I can do but cry, God help me. And there's some things that God has already said, you can do it. So sometimes we're crying out, God help. And God is saying, no, because you can do it. Uh, for those of you that remember when you were helping your children with their schoolwork, I don't know this. Yes, you do know it. Stop for a while. Breathe. Look at it again. Come on now. And they'll, okay, two plus two is four. They'll read it. Uh, Yeah. And, and, you know, they're, they're almost in tears. But when you told them, you know it. Just slow down. Look at it carefully. They finally get it. Well, God is doing that with us. And we, whether we like it or not, he's doing that with us. We want him to do this, this, God come and just zap everybody and help me. And God is saying, uh-uh, you're going to learn how to do this because I'm not raising you to be a baby always. God is not interested in you being a baby all the time. You know, you, you get saved today and five years from now you're still doing baby stuff. God says when you're a child, you'll speak like a child. You drink milk. But when you become mature, you put away childish things and you eat meat. So God expects for us to grow. God expects for us to become mature. So let's let's make up in our mind to say, if God said it, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. If God said it, what's the argue about? What's the fuss about? What's the, I don't know. What is it? Just say God said it. I'm doing it. And move on. And life will be good for you. They were worrying about their own positions. The religious leaders. If Jesus come on the scene and have all this kind of authority and power, what about us? Still today, that's what's plaguing our world. Anytime any group of people feel threatened, that's when chaos starts. And so Jesus came on the scene and demonstrated authority and power that they, they've never seen. And all of a sudden, panic set in. While Jesus was profoundly speaking in the synagogue, a man with a spirit of an unclean devil interrupted the master by saying, Jesus! The Holy One of God. The unclean spirit knew the identity that the religious leaders rejected. Jesus responded with very direct yet powerful words. Hold thy peace and come out of him. 
the unclean spirit immediately departed. The people at the scene were amazed at the power and authority of the words of Jesus Christ. The power and the authority. Let me show you something if you think I was kidding when I said um, a, a church that is not holy is powerless. Acts chapter 19, verse 13. Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. So you had people that might have experienced Jesus doing miracles. And they realized that when Jesus did miracles and when Paul and, 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 and Peter and all of them did miracles, they realized the authority and how it was spoken. And they realized when the disciples did miracles, they spoke by the name of Jesus Christ. So here go these people speaking the name of Jesus. But they weren't living for Jesus. They weren't faithful to Jesus. They were Jews. And there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jew and chief of the priests, which did so. So they were Jews, they were religious. So let's bring it in modern day era. Those of us that are just coming to church, but not practicing the things of God's word, we're religious. And so, the religious guys, and the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? And so when we are living religiously, and not living in obedience to the word of God, the devils know who we are. And when we're living for God and we're sold out and we're obeying everything, the devils know who we are. Said Jesus, I know, Paul, I know, but who are you? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. They thought by going to speak the name of Jesus, devils was just going to come out. Devils know who we are. They know whether we are the Holy One of God, if we belong to the Holy One of God, or we're just religious people. And if we're religious people, we better leave them alone. This is why they don't have to worry about religious people, because they know I've got religious people under control. I have authority over religious people. They don't have authority over godly people. How does the devil try to thought or impede God's plan in our lives? One of the things he tried to do is to get us out of or get us from under God's authority so we can be in our own authority. If you are living your life under your own authority, then you have some things that you probably want to set straight because the devil can come at you whenever he wants. How can Jesus' example help us in defeating the devil? Whose authority are you living under? Yours, the devil, or God's? Whose authority? You want to know that. You want to know that. And if we don't start living under Jesus' authority then we're going to have to deal with some things in our life. The promise of the coming power of God's Spirit was given long before Jesus' ministry on earth commenced. The manifest presence of God in the Old Testament was powerful, but limited in access compared to what would be given under the New Covenant. So back in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God moved among men and God did miracles, but God did not share his authority and power in the Old Testament. He just did it on his own. But New Testament changed things. God spoke to Abraham in Genesis chapter 17 and emphatically declared, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. From the beginning of the book of the Bible all the way to 
revelation that revealed the majesty of God, God proved himself to be all-powerful. God is all-powerful. The significance of the statement to Abraham was that it spoke into the future as well as the present. God is all-powerful. Somebody say, God is all-powerful. Matthew 28, 18, and Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. If Jesus have all power, who else have power? Nobody wants to answer that. If Jesus have all power, who else have power? Only those that he give it to. Oh, come on and hear me. If Jesus has all power, the only people that have power is who he delegates it to. So if Jesus don't delegate his power to you and me, we don't have power. He is the only one with power. Uh huh. So his power is our power if we will accept uh, the agreement will will enter into covenant with him. This is the only way he will share his power with us. If we enter into covenant and keep our covenant, that's when he'll share the power with us. So if you're not in covenant with God, I mean constant covenant with God, obeying God, you don't have the power of God because he won't share his power with just anybody. Hebrews 8 and 10 shows that the covenant of God, that the covenant God made with Israel would be foreshadowing of the power that was to come in their lives. God said he would put his laws into their mind and write them into their heart. He would be a God to them and they would be his people. This was a covenant of interaction and ownership. God's plan was never to be a distant, aloof powerful God in the sky. He wanted to interact and empower his people with his love and his authority. God want us to have the power he has. God want us to operate the way he operated while he was on earth. But he cannot give or share that power with us if we live the way we want. He cannot share that power with us or give us that power if we do whatever we want. So the power is available if we obey God. Somebody say that with me. The power is available if we obey God. Everything. Not just one thing. Not just what we like. I say this to you before I believe, but if you can get this, then it will bless you. It's okay to disagree with God, but just agree with him. You ever hear that term? Just let, let, let's, let, let's agree to disagree, right? And so what, what, what it means is, God, I don't like this. This don't feel good. But because you are almighty and you are sovereign, and you're omnipotent, and you are omniscient, I'm going with you. It's okay. We got to be smart like that. And I'm telling you, if you come at God like that, you will probably see how much better you feel when you obey him. It's okay to tell him, oh, this don't feel good, God. I got to do this. Ugh. But God, as much as my flesh and my little tiny brain is saying, I don't like it. I'm smart enough to know that you know everything and you're all powerful and I'm going to obey you, God. I say that to him a lot because I know everything he tells me to do is not going to feel good to me. Everything he wants me to do is not going to be something I'm like, yeah, let's do that. But I'm smart enough to know he knows everything. He's all powerful. He has my best interest at hand. God has your best interest at hand. He says, I know the thoughts I have towards you. He's got everything for you that's right. So just get over it that you don't like it. But I'm going to do it anyhow. Because what you have for me, God, it's better than what I have for myself. Yes. 
God's plan was never to be distant from us. He always wanted to be close to us. So we got to know that. The omnipotent God would one day enter the hearts of humanity by the power of the Holy Ghost. That's how he shares his power and authority with us. That, that's how he does it. So when you repent of your sins and you get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, not in titles, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, that's not what the Bible teaches. So you repent of your sins, you get baptized in his name. He fills you with his spirit. That takes care of him sharing his authority with you. So the word of God is the authority that you have as far as influence, right? Or whatever we said there. The spirit of God is the power, the force that gets things done. So when you're born again, you take on the name of Jesus, right? And the word of God is now your authority. The name of Jesus is, is the power, power in his name. The word of God has been applied to your life because you've obeyed it. And God says, I will give you my spirit. With all of those things going on in your life, now you have the authority and the power to do God's business here on earth. Now the kingdom has come. <laughs> Right? You can do the kingdom now. Because wherever you go, the demon says, oh man, here come Everton. That's what he said. I'm just telling you. You don't look at it like, I'm just telling you what God wants us to understand. When you walk anywhere, if you ever walk into a place where you can just feel darkness and you can feel like stuff is wrong, devils are saying, here she comes. And you know what they do most of the time is saying, if you don't mess with us, we're going we just going to mind our business. We just want you to hurry up and leave. Because if you open your mouth and start doing stuff, we're going to be in trouble. We don't even understand that. Demons fear you if you are under the authority of God. If you're not, they will take you for a joke. God wanted to share his power and authority with those who obeyed the plan of salvation. And so when you obey the plan of salvation, God shares his authority and power with you. And now you can defend yourself. And where you can't defend yourself because the job is too big for you, God will intervene. But his authority can be your authority is what this is all about tonight. But we can't get tripped up by little things. Why I got to do this? Can you do me a favor? I want you to leave tonight and think about all the things that you are. Keep, you keep asking why you have to do it. The things that you may have heard me say, the things that you may have read in the Bible. Go home tonight on your way home and start asking yourself, well, why I have to? Start asking yourself, what's so important? Why I have to do this? And realize that God is only asking you to do it for your own good, for your own benefit. He's not trying to get you to do something because he's trying to make your life difficult or make your life hard. God is just loving on you. You don't even realize it. When he's telling you you got to do something, oh, he's just showing you love. He's saying what I'm telling you to do is the best thing for you and it's going to help you to just be great. Just do it. Why do I have to twist your arm? Why do I have to keep on saying the same thing over and over? I'm your God. I died for you. I love you. I'm not asking you to do anything. That's just something that's going to hurt you. So we need to just begin to say, what are some of the things that God is asking me to do and I'm not doing? What's so hard about it? And you'll see you've been holding back on God. I can begin to tell you some things. I just, just shoot it off. Well, why? Because that's how we are. We become comfortable with certain things. And when we hear something that goes against it, all of a sudden now, that's a problem. It's time to grow just a little bit more. If you want to walk around with authority, if you want to walk around with power, dudamous power coming from you, 
you need to begin to say, God, whatever I got to do, that's what I'm doing. However you want me to look, that's how I'm going to look. We make him look. Man. I know maybe it's me a little bit. Because I have this habit of doing this. It's per, part of my personality. Whatever I'm doing is the best thing in the world. I know that. I know I got that problem. Don't be mad at me. I don't know what that's all about. I think that gene running all my kids. <laughs> Whatever we're doing is the greatest thing since life. You need to try this because this is so. And we present it like it's the best thing. And so it works in my favor living for God. So, so when I read some things and it's just like, whoa, I eventually, eventually embrace it and make it look like the best thing ever happened. Listen, let me give you an easy one before I close up here tonight. I didn't used to wear suits all the time. And now I find myself, I'm sure sometimes my wife, well, she has said it. Can you just dress relax? Because everything, everything, I'm suited up. Can you just, listen, dress relax to me is just no time. Because <laughs> in everything, I'm, I got a jacket on, you know, got shoes on. Can you just be relaxed? Now, I wasn't always dressing like this. But after living for God, this became the norm. How did that ever happen? Because I love the, I just want to please God. So wearing a suit became the norm. It's not because I want want to wear a suit every day. No, that wasn't the case. Show you some of my stuff back in the day. Like, oh, okay, dude. I used to wear leather patch jeans. Y'all know about that. I had jeans that had the leather patch come up right here and go around. That's what I was wearing. I was wearing what we used to call Hawaiian shirts and short sets. Yeah, the shirt was Hawaiian shirt. It looked like he was in Hawaii. And I had the shorts with it. And then I had on the, um, the, the, the ballet shoes with no socks. That's how I used to look. I'm just telling you how I used to look. So it, I didn't always wore a suit. So now you're four at the clock and you're like, every day you see me now, this dude always got a jacket on. or always look like he's suited up. What's wrong with him? God started working in my life a different way. And so now it's, I love wearing suits now. Not because I love wearing suits from the beginning, but anything God is pulling me into, I figure out sooner or later how to love it. (laughs) Just trying to give you something to strive for. You might not like it, but if you start doing it, you will start loving it. Hey, God, I like this. I like this. The power of God's spirit was foretold by prophets. Joel was one of them that told it. And God kept his promise by pouring out his power on the day of Pentecost. The power of God's spirit foretold in the Old Testament was fulfilled in the New Testament. It was poured out on the day of Pentecost where they was all in one place in one accord and they were praying. And all of a sudden there was a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind filled the whole house where they were sitting and they began to speak with tongues. Speaking with tongues is not the Holy Ghost. It's evidence that you have the Holy Ghost. So, so you may feel the Holy Ghost in your heart and have not yet spoke with tongues. When you finally speak with tongues, that's the evidence that you have it. So here we go again. I want evidence like the Bible teaches. And that's why I'm glad I speak with tongues. And for you that are still striving to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, make sure you get evidence like the Bible says. Don't get frustrated or get mad and like, well, why you got to speak with tongues? Well, the Bible teach that. You know, as soon as we stumble up on something that's not in our life, now all of a sudden it's a problem. No, God loves you and he will give you the Holy Spirit and let you talk with tongues, just like the Bible described. So no need to say, well, that's that's not necessary. Again, I don't play them games. What's not necessary? If God said it, if the Bible is teaching it, I'm doing it because I'm not taking the chance of saying it's necessary or it's not. I want to be able to stand before God and says, God, your word said we need to speak with tongues, so... 
That's what I did, right? I'm good, right? That's proof, right? Because the Bible says we're going to be judged by the word of God. I don't know if you knew that. We're going to be judged. So, so when we stand before God, if it's written and we're trying to say, well, God, I didn't, I didn't what? Remember what he said to Satan. What did he say? It is written. So when me and you or you and I or all of us stand before the Lord, if it's written and we didn't do it, we roll in the dice. If it's written and we didn't do it. Because he will say, just like he said to Satan, it is written. So I want, if I read it, and if they spoke with tongues, I'm not going to say to myself, well, that was back in the disciples' days, Lord, so... And then stand before him. And then he says, well, it's written. Well, Lord, wasn't it in the disciples days? And he going to say, well, I guess you should have just been stealing today then. Because I, I wrote the Ten Commandments way back in Moses days. And so you're telling me that, 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 that you could steal today? You're telling me you can kill today? You, you see where we're going to get jammed up? Because if we're saying that was for back then, then, then when he wrote the commandments, it was for back then too. And that was in Moses days. Thou shalt have no other God. Thou shalt not uh, uh, um, um, commit adultery. Thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt not bow, bow, bow down before statues and idols. All of that. So are we going to say that's for back then? Are we going to say every word, God, if it's written, I need to do it. So when I stand before him, it will be written and I'll be good to say, oh, there you go. There you go, God. I got it. So the day of Pentecost came, we received the power. Finally, Peter and John, when they were heading to the temple, and the guy was lame, sitting at the gate of the temple, called Beautiful, and begging. Peter and John says, silver and gold have I not, but such as I have give I to thee. What do you have? So if you have the authority and the power, oh, you can give that. You can give the authority because that's what you have. And me and you that's in this room, if we keep living for God, we won't be rich. We don't want to be rich. Or you maybe want to be rich. You don't, you don't want to be rich. Riches just make you want to do a whole lot of stuff. You want to have time for God. I'm just telling you the truth. You get rich, you won't have time for God. You think, you think it's hard to come to church now? Get rich. <laughs> you, you think you question God a little bit now? Get rich. But if you're silver and gold, have I none. But such as I have, I give I to thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. The authority and the power was what caused the man to rise up and walk. And so if we will submit to his authority, we will have authority. It's the same thing in the church. If your pastor has not, if you have not given your pastor authority in your life, you have no authority to deal with devils. It's just that simple. If I'm not under the authority of an elder in my life, I have no authority. Not, not because the, the power is not in me, but it's the principle that God always operate by. The power is in me. I use the word, but God will always operate by his principle, spiritual and natural. And the natural is we must all have authority in our life. And it's not for um, anything other than God wants to make sure that you're safe. And if you don't have someone that can call you up and say, hey, I heard or I was praying and God showed me and you need to stop or you need to go ahead and do something or whatever the case may be. If you don't have that in your life, you're in a lot of trouble. Then you're operating in your own authority. And we know our authority don't scare devils, don't do anything. Any questions tonight? Pascal, any other question? No? You heard everything we talked about tonight? Yeah? You understand his authority, our authority? We can have God's authority. All we have to do is just obey God. If we obey God, 
everything. The first thing we have to obey him by is his plan of salvation. Whatever he says, the plan of salvation is repentance, baptism, being filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. We have to all start there. And then as we go on from there, we need to go on in submission and authority. We need to be holy. We need to be righteous. And as we go on doing that, we can exercise authority that God has given us because God wants us to have authority. And so as long as we walk the earth, we can walk in authority if we're submitted to God's authority. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you tonight for your word. We thank you for bringing out everyone to Bible study tonight, Lord.